Yo, what's up, guys, and welcome to the Movie Newbie Podcast. I'm your host, Jabril Sahemi, the newbie, and I'm joined by... Rafael Luca, actor, clown, thespian, and a pure cinephile. Oliver Mangum, writer, producer, and fellow film lover. So, yeah, enjoy the show. Yo, what's up, guys? And we are back again with another episode of the Movie Newbie. I'm your host, Jabrias Hemi. And as usual, we've got the two guys, Raf and Ali. How about you guys say hello? Guten Tag. <laughs> <laughs> I never I never come with something prepared for this. Yeah. Like, Jabriel, you, you say, say hello, guys. And, yeah. I'm, and Raf and I just sort of stare into each other's <laughs> But Raf, Raf always <laughs> comes with like... Like either a quote from the movie. Oh yeah, or I come like scripted. Something. Uh, See, he, he has that improv. He has that improv performer's background. Oh, well, I don't have that it, at all. It's I not improv, maybe it's it's all scripted. I write I write a four page script before coming in. You know, I'm ready. I'm ready to go. What's up? Well, oh. before we get started today, let me just maybe give a little shout out to our sponsor of the day. Um, something that, uh, yeah, it's a sponsor. Well, kind of, I don't oh know. God, I'm going to say exciting. it's a sponsor. It's a sponsor for me. Um, okay, great. and this is a surprise for Ollie, but, uh, yeah, April 22nd, uh, temps rising, you know, we're doing a show. I wanted to get it out here in the beginning because maybe people, you yes. know, they cancel out at the end. We can't just put it in the end, but Ollie, maybe you could tell them about it a little bit more. Yeah, sure. Um, you know, Jibril pretty much summed it up correctly. So temperatures rising, which you may have heard us talk about on this podcast before. It's um, a fundraising uh, ongoing event that I uh, run with Chris Harrison, who found founded it a few years ago and uh last time we did it was back in november and what we basically do is we put on um uh, dj nights you know with various acts various performers it's basically like a club night and all the proceeds go to charity in the past we've donated to charities such as uh nordoff robbins music therapy center and great ormond street hospital during the pandemic Around that time, we also made T-shirts and caps, which are pretty dope. And uh, this time, we're gonna all the proceeds from our event will be donated to the uh, victims of the Ukraine conflict, of the Ukraine invasion. So, how can people get tickets? So, you, if you just go onto Resident Advice and search "Temps Rising Spring Party," the event should come up. Although I do post links on all of our socials, and we'll be putting stuff up on the Movie Newbie uh, social media soon. But yeah, really easy to get tickets at the moment. They're really cheap right now because it's still first release, so you can grab them for five quid while you still can. But they will be going up sooner. Um, so I would really suggest people get on it because uh, it was such a fun time. Like Jabril performed at our last event under his. Uh, uh, performing name stage name i guess radonada yeah. <laughs> and he absolutely killed it um he did a vinyl only session which he wasn't used to but that's how we do it at Thames rising yeah yeah and he did a great job and i performed as well the less said about that the better but you know I, oh I no too. man you're amazing <laughs> oh thanks and raf was there as our cheerleader he was yeah yeah i was saying uh, as fellow cheerleader and number one fan you guys were off the hook uh and it was a boogielicious good time seriously awesome oh awesome time but yeah but yeah so so jabril and i are going to be performing again we've got a bunch of other great artists who will be performing it's going to be at the servant jazz quarters in dalston so this is mainly going out to our london peeps but yeah just like jabril said april 22nd so yeah resident yeah. advisor get on it so if you want to come down and meet the movie newbies um come down we're gonna be there we're gonna be hanging out two out of three of us are gonna be performing so 
Yeah, come on down. Actually, Raph, I think I didn't tell you about this, Jabril, but Raph's actually going to be delivering a Shakespearean soliloquy. Yes. Oh, no yes. way. Uh, okay. Just to kill the vibe completely in yeah, between yeah. DJs. Totally. Yeah, Is yeah, that on at 11 p.m. or midnight? You were saying? Oh, it's in between every DJ act. Oh, every DJ Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah actually, I was hoping you would do it during my set so that I uh, I was going to try and, I don't oh. know, I was just going to try and, I thought we could we could score my duo score thing. my pitch. I would score your performance exactly. I mean, exactly. that sounds like a dream made in heaven right there. <laughs> dream duo. Woo! I mean, old school the Tempest set against the backdrop of old school hip hop. Yeah, I mean, I mean that works. Could be cool. Hell yeah, <laughs> Hamlet to a like dirty dungeon uh, uh, German electro. Fuck yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right well i think we should get to the movie um, let's get to that, that german that dungeon little, <laughs> that was a really good yeah uh, speaking of german dungeons yeah speaking <laughs> of german dungeon um uh we watched downfall so this was a little change that we did um ah, because comedy. i felt like we should have maybe explored something i don't know we did the pianist and then we did uh, inglorious bastards and i felt like we should actually explore it from a different perspective and maybe from the views of a different nation as well you know especially of a nation that actually went through this and have such a close uh connection to this part of history so yeah we are going to do downfall and um it's i think one of the best foreign films that i've ever seen um it was a movie that i watched initially also in high school i think i watched all these movies in high school and because i did my final like history paper on um hitler and the fall of the third reich uh this was one of like i think one of my sources that i used um and yeah i just i think great performances all around across the board especially from uh bruno gantz yeah bruno gantz who is swiss but he pulls off an excellent hitler um and then yeah beautiful shots um i thought it was excellent and even though it goes on for like what two hours and a half two hours 40 minutes um it's still just so like this was really a fly on the wall kind of like movie and it was just so mm. uh gripping you know like i would just like my attention was super focused throughout the the entire thing so yeah those are my initial thoughts um i don't mm. know throw it on to you guys yeah um i mean this is my second rewatch now um and i had a bit of a different um feeling about it um because i was kind of hyper focusing on bruno's performance first and foremost because i think during my first watch i was i was just everywhere watching everything at once and there was so much going on and it's you know it's not the easiest watch in the world. There's a lot of there's a lot of depressing shit that happens in this film, and there's a lot of um, yeah, there's just a lot of heaviness to it. There's a lot of weight to this film, uh, not only because we are seeing Adolf Hitler throughout the you know two hours and a half, which you know he's no chirpy lad, um, <laughs> but we are also seeing the atrocities surrounding not just his entourage, but everything that goes on outside. So the first watch was just like yeah it was just a lot so the second rewatch i um yeah i tend to like shift my focus and really see it through the lens of a performer of someone putting on the shoes of such a iconically evil man um evil person and and how you do that how does one actor kind of pull away from his self 
and his life and everything he holds and cherishes and puts on dones the mad crown of of this man um who is um going into more of a yeah he's it's 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 the it's the last days um of the war under a bunker it's it's claustrophobic and he's he's descending into into sheer madness uh, as well as as going through you know mental instability um and physical instability which you know bruno does to perfection um so yeah seeing seeing that shift and seeing the the descent he goes into with this character but also how he brings uh, his humanity if anything there's um a really a human tale despite you know the human he's portraying there's a really mm. um accurate humanity that he shows so suddenly i was not sympathizing at all with this character but i saw a side of this character that made him human other than just the this evil backdrop that lured in you know around europe and you know murdered and pillaged um you know this monster essentially kind of uncloaking the monster and revealing the human yeah yeah i i I'm trying to remember what my history was with this film. I know I had seen it before, but I don't know when. I can't specifically remember where and the where and when of when I saw it the first time. Um, but I do remember that it had an impact on me and that I found it to be quite powerful filmmaking. And seeing it again this time, that hasn't changed. I think this is uh, a pretty remarkable piece of filmmaking, if not... Uh, you know, if not only because, but I think what stood out mostly was that. So what's interesting about this film is that it it almost feels like it takes place entirely in the third act. So you know, mostly when you ha when you have a film, mostly you talk about the story in terms of a three act structure. You have the beginning where they establish the characters, the world. You have the um, you have the setup of a conflict, and you have the characters trying to overcome that overcome that conflict. And then you have the resolution and whatever happens afterwards. And I, this film starts after the resolution has sort of come to an end. The Germans have lost the war. The Nazis have lost. The Third Reich is collapsing. And so you just spend two and a half hours watching these characters sort of spiral towards an inevitable fate. It's like an epilogue stretched out to the entire running length of a film, which I think is pretty um it's a pretty bold choice actually i don't think it's the most obvious story to tell but it's clearly the one that these actors and the director oliver hirschbergel and the writer wanted to tell and it's it's a really interesting way to sort of get in in a look at this as you said raf this iconic monster so yeah i think that was a really interesting choice and it made it for some pretty gripping watching but i gotta also say uh this film is a supreme bummer like this is yeah this is yeah. one of the most downbeat films I think I've ever seen. And I love depressing films. I watch a lot of them. But it's not just that it's it's really dark subject matter. Like I said, it, it takes place entirely in this sort of just free fall. There's no suspense and there's no tension mm -hmm. to it. Because, again, you know where this is all going. And, and so do all the characters. Um, they know that they're where they're headed towards. And mm -hmm. it's not looking good. And so you're just kind of watching these characters move from this from between moments of complete self-delusion and desperation to sort of resignation and defeatism and finally just suicidal ideation so it's it's really it's quite difficult to watch but at this but like i said it's it's still a remarkable film so yeah i was, I was, I was happy to revisit it
Yeah. So, from what you guys have said, it's like, well, from what you guys said and what I had felt like throughout this movie, it was quite an, an immersive film. For one reason is that it doesn't really have this like one dimensional kind of Nazi character for pretty much there there isn't that one di- like one dimensional kind of character where you know this is a nazi they hate jewish people this is what they do like like we saw in the previous two films but they actually have some sort of humanizing aspect to them and they actually they're not make defined decisions. by their by their historical status as Ex- nazis exactly. as, as the villains of world war ii exactly throughout this film you you're you're just interacting with nazis for for the main part except i think the the hitler youth kids father who i think wasn't really feeling the nazis at the time um, <laughs> he wasn't vibing with he the wasn't vibing. yeah <laughs> Um, but yeah, so you're surrounded by these people who are actually making decisions and you go through like, not through every characters, but you see their decision making process, especially Hitler from the beginning towards the end. Um, you see it with like, for example, Goebbels and his wife and them deciding to kill their children. You have, um, Mm -hmm. uh, it's her name, Traudel. The second. Traudel Junga. Yeah. Who I think is meant to almost be like the audience. You, at the beginning of this film, they yeah. almost position her as the audience surrogate, but then yeah. it doesn't end up being that. She's no, no. also embedded in the Nazi party yeah. for most of the film. Yeah. So, yeah, there's there's a lot of different things that goes throughout this film that just make it super immersive and mm. it really makes you feel like you're in there. And, um, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, and I think um, what makes it... Um, really specific is the connections between all characters that all kind of end up connecting to this one central figure, which is mm-hmm. Hitler mm-hmm. Um, and yes. their associations and affiliations with not only the third Reich and this regime, but also this person, right? How they either idolize him. So this is why they follow him till the end or they brutally fear him or they, there is no opposition yeah. between his power. Well, they're, they're kind of they're kind of talking behind his back, or, or, or they're talking yeah. against him. You're seeing you. See, I mean, you see the the. Yeah, yeah. It kind of like symbolizes the entire state of the Nazi Party, or just everyone in general. So you kind of see the the realists versus the Nazi fanatics. You kind of see the people who kind of want to like run and hide, and kind of like dismiss the ideology versus stay and fight you know mm. so yeah it's it's pretty interesting that you say that yeah yeah i i think for me um now that i've rewatched it um i was more critical with this film with its perspective mm. um because you are told from the beginning that um this is going to be through the at least you. It's hinted at that this might be told through the perspective of um, Trudel uh, Junger. Um, I don't know if I'm saying that right, but um, and and immediately it it she's kind of put on the sideline. Um, and and you know as soon as 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 Hitler come, which is because it's a huge historical figure. I think he takes the centerpiece of this movie, um, and it kind of weaves in and out of his. Um, uh, of of his of how you na- navigate his story uh, in the bunker, um, I kind of wish that 
And everything that went on outside is fine and, and is justified. Um, I think it wanted to show kind of a broader aspect rather than just purely focusing on, on what goes on down there in the bunker. But I think it would have been interesting to see if it was purely done through the perspective of, um, of Trudel, um, of this character, and if it was only done in the bunker, and I know there were a lot of like most of the film takes place in that bunker, but if only if it was purely single location kind of um, like a chamber concept. play, yeah, like a chamber play, which it it it, it definitely um, goes into that. But I thought it, it for me it could have just leaned totally into it, and suddenly we are and we're thrust into this claustrophobic these claustrophobic chambers, these tight hallways, these like horrible lights. That is what kind of that is the loss of sanity that becomes, you know, increasingly apparent as the film carries on is, you know, living in, in, in this bunker, um, the lack of neutral, the lack, the lack of natural light, the, the claustrophobic uh, surroundings, the underground heat uh, and the lack yeah. of privacy or perhaps the, the, the invasion of, of, of all these people in one place, um, you know, kind of like a, a 10 Cloverfield Lane meets um uh, meets well meets this the film. Third Reich. Yeah, meets the Third <laughs> Reich essentially. Meets, uh, meets yeah. Hitler, where it's it's all to do in that, and it's all focused. And it it would have it would have mm. yeah it would have been a very interesting kind of single shot location um, concept, right. uh, where where you're you're you can't get out. You also, as the audience, are trapped. Not only you're trapped with Nazis, but you're trapped with Hitler mm. as he's losing his mind. I just feel like the. Like, I see where you're coming from, but I just feel like the point of this film was to have that, like, super historical realism of what actually happened throughout that that time. Yeah. And, and it's a very, very realistic, um, I don't know what the word would be, like, reenactment. Because there are, there yeah. are some points of this An account. film. Yeah, yeah. Like, there are some but, points of this film where I'm like, ooh, this is, like documentary-like at some point yeah absolutely it does seem very authentic mm. um but I, I i i too had a bit of an issue i think like maybe raf is saying with the character of trodel younger because more because not because i think she wasn't used enough but more because i don't really know what the purpose of that character being there was mm. now i know that the film and a lot of the details of this film that make it so accurate are based on her um her account her book that she published towards the end of her life. And yeah. you see her as well being interviewed at the beginning and the end of the film. But I don't really think this film is told from her perspective at the end of the day, even though they set it up. And I think what's interesting about this film is it doesn't have a perspective. It doesn't have a POV really for most of it. And also it doesn't really, um, it's not like, it's not like made with any sort of, perspective or judgment of the characters involved which i like about it like you said it's like a documentary yeah it's not weighing in it's not it's not interested necessarily in sort of dissecting what's wrong about the nazi party it's just showing you what happens when an empire mm -hmm. is on its last legs is dying in front of you and how are people going to react in this really high pressure situation um, and that's when i think the film is at its best i just yeah. i think they introduced that character maybe because again the book was the source material and then i don't think they knew what to do with her and then when yeah. they ended the film with her i didn't really kind of like that titanic difference either <laughs> yeah yeah exactly that's what it exactly. reminds me of it's good this is going to be the uh, first of many comparisons to titanic, <laughs> um but yeah, yeah no i completely agree with you there i kind of 
found her character confusing in the beginning. I was like, what's the purpose of this character? And then as I like continued watching, I kind of saw it as just as a segment to kind of like emphasize that initial part of history. And then as it continues, kind of like a documentary would where they would bring someone like a random interview or something. Yeah. 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 No, and I, yeah, I, I, I did, I did really enjoy, um, I think, I think the movie shines best, um, shine in a very depressing way. Um, best when the, it is the whole ensemble uh, pieces. So, you know, like, mm-hmm. um, most famously is, is what the, the scene that turned into a meme, uh, back in the day, back in the lad Bible day. Um, still a meme i, th- I think i see it co- it comes back it, yeah yeah it's here and there i mean maybe football. maybe we're we're part of the wave uh of yeah. it coming was back that now. like let me ask just quickly was this before meme was even widely used as a term no, like what is the was... history of me what is I know I'm... can we switch conversation yeah can we talk about memes instead <laughs> <laughs> um i think i first started seeing the word meme in like 2009 I think that was when oh, okay. I first saw it. Yeah. 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 But that video parody was like late 2000s, wasn't it? Or like maybe 2009. I remember they showed it to us in school assembly. Yeah. So we would have been. At the end we, of GCSEs. We would have been they had 14, like a GCSE. 15. <laughs> yeah, yeah. 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 Um, yeah. Sorry, and, go on. And I think it was ta- It was probably, I mean, it was talking about different things, like a football club or a football yeah. manager or something. Anyways. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, the, but that scene itself, the reason why it works so it works so well is because again it's that ensemble piece and every actor is playing their part um incredibly well and this um tension filled almost you can almost smell the fear that's in the room from these characters and you can sense that yeah hitler is going full explosive he's going full in a way full hitler um with his speech and everything just changes right everything you know that's i think that's the the first um that's the first kind of light you're seeing on his descent into yeah essentially what is kind of lunacy insanity madness delusion um whatever you have it um but but that scene works so well and it's brilliantly constructed because of kind of the reaction that you are that you, yes. that that the other people are having towards mm-hmm. this character not not only is it a great towering performance from Bruno but but the reactions that are given uh make this scene even weightier and give it even more either nuanced or or even more fear mm-hmm. and it's just palpable uh you 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 have that sense of it yourself watching it talk yeah like talking about the ensemble reactions um there's like a pan shot in that film Mm. sorry in that scene when uh one of the characters are like awkward they're all like awkwardly exchanging looks with one another because they all know what hitler isn't ready yet to accept yet which is that like there's just no way out they've lost the war that's that's it um and so you have those characters you have like a pan where one of the characters shoots a look at another one and then the camera just like whips over to him and he like adds on the information which is that we can't move the forces there because they've already they've already lost or like we have to keep them here and then and -hmm. then it just like cuts to hitler who just stares at the map as if like hoping to see something that's there (laughs) that isn't there and he just realizes there's nothing there so he takes off his glasses and then he has that massive freak out yeah um yeah yeah and there were there were a lot of scenes like that where i think the ensemble 
the kind of secondary characters surrounding Hitler were just amazing. Uh, a lot of these performances really stand out and make this film um, kind of augment its 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 spec you know it, it's it's already a great film but this augments it to 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 further greatness mm-hmm. um especially uh there's one scene that i remembered uh with the first colonel that he that is that is about to get shot so he has to he's he's been sent to the bunker he's been sent to to hitler to to get shot uh, because he's failed um and you just see him just walking down bravely like you know admitting or uh, submitting to the fact that he's you know about to get shot um and just him walking down towards the bunker going through each process of of kind of his death um and seeing him each moment each step he takes suddenly just like lose all sense of courage and bravery until it comes to the moment where he's sitting down with a bunch of men drinking and then he's like what's this Mm. And it's just, yeah, it's just, just the brilliance of, of these reactions. I think this film has terrific reactions. Yeah. I think, like, what's what's really crazy is, like, we're obviously watching this as non-Germans, but thinking, like, imagine if you're a German audience who've... Because I'm pretty sure in Germany they, like, taught them about their history and, like, where they came from and why this shouldn't happen again. So, like, a yes. German audience is very, very aware of the history. So watching that, for example, Hitler's demise into lunacy in that scene where all the generals are there, and you can see the reactions of the generals. Some of them are like, oh, this dude's crazy. Some of them are like, yeah, I'll fight to to the death of me. And like knowing what happened before in world war one where germany like were crippled by the the surrender sanctions yeah the sanctions and stuff like that so like for some of these generals who hitler i believe hated because he hated the aristocracy as well um some of them would also they didn't want to surrender and some of them were like yeah sure like i'd rather die so as a german audience watching that it must have been 10 times more um significant than what it was to us who maybe don't know it very well yeah if you look at the society of germany today that's a pretty good lesson in how i would say in how to Mm. in how to address um i guess the crimes of your country or the crimes of your past or japan like you said yeah like like you said they um they can they are they are not shy about confronting in what they teach children in school there Mm. are the were the evils of the third reich and of the nazi regime they treat it with a lot of seriousness um they took down any uh uh artifacts that were sort of uh, uh, that that could be seen as as perhaps glorifying that period and i mean you may still be able to see them but they're mostly in museums so they're only used for historical purposes they're not given any sort of um they're not uh, held in any sort of like high regard. Yeah. And you compare that to a country like the UK, yeah. which is not re- does not reckon at all, I think, with the sins of the British Empire mm. and of colonialism. Yeah. And it's still like a really uncomfortable conversation. We don't teach children nearly enough about the uh, crimes that were committed in the name of uh, the British Empire. Mm. And that is why I think you still have people today who think um, that the empire was a good thing for the yeah. rest of the world. Mm-hmm. And yeah. Anyway, so a bit of a bit of a sidetrack. There, no, no, no. That's I a think great. It's an interesting point. Great yeah. anecdote. And I think I was having this conversation with one of my colleagues, who's an American, and we were talking about yeah the 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 
the impact of colonialism around the world. And I lived, you know, to, as a white person, for me, I've, I've lived in Australia, which um, was a, a country that was, you know, a land that was taken from them by uh, colonial rule. Um, and living in Canada, which was this, very much the same thing, um, you know, someone that's lived in these places uh, as an artist, um, but also as, as a French person who, you know, we have our own shameful and disgusting imperial past. Um, I've had to kind of educate myself on where I was and the land that I was, you know, thankfully and, and, and gratefully kind of stepping on. And I remember every time, let's say, getting on stage, I'd had to... Um, perform kind of a sacred um, text or sacred um, passage to give my gratefulness to the land that I'm on as a non-Indigenous person of that land. Um, so it really is um, something that's vital and important to, I mean, just look at these films, right? Look at them and look at look the history that, that, that we've, that we're you know, our, our ancestors have suffered and also have, have been through, um, and to look that in the eye and know that like, you know, there is change and we can change. And I think, I think Germany is, is one of the reasons it's, it's one of the most progressive countries in Europe is because it does that. It did that, or it's doing that, right. It's yeah. on that path of recovery of looking at its sins. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm um, just bringing it back to the, uh, to the yeah. film then. Um, I, uh, I wondered actually, okay, I have another question for later, but, um, what I like, we're going to be talking about our favorite scenes later as we do, mm -hmm. but I guess a good way to start this conversation is what are some of the most depressing or like hardest to watch scenes in that film? Because that's how you go. Ooh. I think that starts an interesting conversation here I, because <laughs> I'm going to tell you, I'm going to tell you right now, the scene that made okay. me like, oh. I don't know if you, you like when you guys. I don't know if you guys did the same, but for me, it was when they had to put down Blondie. <laughs> oh. Forget the children. And you could hear the whimpering, dude. Well, the, that was the first death. Yeah. I think. Well, the first like loved character. I'm pretty sure death. you had that that dad blowing up his whole family with the grenades. Was yeah. that maybe that was before? That was pretty harrowing. <laughs> Which I have some thoughts on as well. Cause, yeah, uh, that uh, that actually happened. I I, I read yeah. about it afterwards. But, yeah. But also, like, is that necessarily the best way or the cleanest to, to way, do it? perhaps, yeah. to to do it? But anyway, maybe yeah. he had nothing yeah. else. The blondie scene is difficult. Yeah, because you could hear the whimpering from the dog, and that's just like, oh, yeah, it and really like the, the, hurt. The idea of like a dog being force-fed poison. Yeah, poison. Well as... it, uh, and it seemed like such a good dog, you know, because the dog, dog just loves his master. Right, it doesn't know. Who, and the dog's who... also getting uh, beaten apparently on on the slide. Oh yeah, by by, by Miss her, Eva uh, Braun. Yeah, or well, Frau Hitler. Yeah, Frau Hitler. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but yeah, that was I... for me. I think the most harrowing. I don't know. Mm. Yeah, um, for me, it would have to be. Um, I mean, yeah, the, the, the Goebbels children, um, but specifically um, the moment where I think it's the eldest daughter, Helga, who uh, senses something wrong, um, <sighs> that she's possibly being murdered um, and that she knows she's possibly being murdered. Mm -hmm. um, and she refuses to take the... The, the, the prerequisite. Like a sedative. Yeah, it's a sedative. Yeah, I think it's a sedative to knock them out so that they can then 
just force feed them force feed them yeah cyanide and you just you you see that the shriek and the horror and and the fact that she knows that her her own parents are are doing this you know out of out of their own will um and their children so they can't really and it's just like another side to this the abhorrent selfishness yeah. of the Goebbels and some of the Nazi party and that yeah. you see like I think it's I think it's Magda Goebbels right and um, that's her her yeah. the, the the real life figure's name and at one point she's you know sort of um I think she's like suffering from some sort of existential malady so she's unwell mm-hmm. and is it like a doctor I think it's Albert Speer perhaps or one of the other char- characters that's talking to her mm-hmm. and she's saying oh can you procure me the cyanide for my children and he's saying, oh, they're entitled to a future. And she says, what future is there without national socialism? Yeah, like, yeah. It's not even a, yeah. a possibility to consider that they might have a different, <laughs> that they would want to experience a life outside of the, yeah. um, outside of the regime. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, and that brings me back to like, why, like what we were talking about before and like how the, the other scenes were so impactful and how like. Germany like has to educate their people it's because of like the fanaticism that you see there where like it's kind of just like blind following of this like or like indoctrination of this national socialism or Nazism and you see it with some characters they're like halfway there they're unsure if they should follow Hitler and some characters are like head-on and then there's some characters who are like no, this is over. This is done. Like you can see it with um it happens twice in the movie with Himmler and with Goering. Um I think leader of the Luftwaffe and the other guys just a general and they both kind of like try to seize power from Hitler and that's when Hitler goes crazy and he's like I should be and then they like both... Stalin. I should kill yeah. my generals and stuff like that. And um yeah, I think And both those characters end up fleeing Berlin. Yeah, they, they flee, well. yeah. And I think yeah. they yeah, yeah. they end up killing themselves or one of them i can't remember both of them did yeah uh, while they were waiting trial in nuremberg yeah Yeah. so i think this movie really really shows that's what this movie does really well is showing the fanaticism and like how you know like everybody thinks right like if i was there would i follow like the nazi party and this is like an like you can see it like these people are doctors professors they've gone to university some of them are just blindly following while others mm. have that sense to see well and i don't know mm. that it does it really well in this movie yeah yeah and i think um roger ebert um, puts it well uh in his uh, analysis of the uh, of this film he said um as we regard this broken and pathetic hitler we realize that he did not alone create the third reich but was the focus for spontaneous uprising by many of the german people fueled by racism, xenophobia, grandiosity, and fear. He was skilled in the ways he exploited that feeling and surrounded himself by gifted strategists and propagandists, but he was not a great man, simply one armed by fate to unleash unimaginable evil. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that's that's so well said. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the great... Uh, Ollie, just piggyback it on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, unfortunately I can't. I was going to try and see if I could steal that sentiment and dress it up, but he, he said it so much better than, than, than I could. Um, uh, now I just wanted to, I, I, I wanted to bring it a little bit back just quickly to something that Jabril said about the people in the middle, the people who aren't necessarily unwavering followers or, mm-hmm. um, you know, realists, the people that are in the middle, the gray people. 
I think it's interesting. This film shows really well how intimidation tactics and mob mentality would have been used to get people mm-hmm. to sort of fall under Hitler. Because um, like there are several moments when someone is trying to speak sense and say, "Look, we need to surrender, or we need to we need to to, to make a move." And someone else says, "Oh, you would you would want to live without Hitler? You would want you mm. you don't want to die? You would you would be able to live with that shame of yeah, yeah. Of, of 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 surrendering to another force?" Mm-hmm. And then you see other people saying, "Like, yeah, yeah, we should we should all put guns to our head right now." And then you, you can see like that that yeah. rational argument just being sort of squeezed to death. And that, and you can see that there are people who are just who don't necessarily believe that from the jump, but are just afraid to stand out against mm. the most, um, I guess, what uh, dogmatic followers of the Nazi. Mm-hmm. And I think the first uh, one, the first officer who kind of um, alienates himself from that is fellow pianist actor, also uh, Thomas Kirchman, right? The, he is the, yeah. the doctor. Uh, no, Herman. No, Fagelin. Yeah, Fagelin. Oh, Fagelin. Fagelin. Uh, the Fagelin, careerist. Fagelin, Fagelin. Fagelin, yeah. Yes. Um, he, 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 um, yeah, he's the one who first steps outside of, of this dogmatic rule. <laughs> uh, yes, indeed. Uh, <laughs> there is a scene in, in this movie where Hitler just says, Fagelin, Fagelin, Fagelin. And um, it could also be a meme. Um, but, but yeah, he's the first one who steps outside of it, right? Who who is, who 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 discovers the delusional um, the the delusion that is that is um, we have to submit, we have to surrender, uh, we're done, right? He's kind of the first and one who steps out. He's married to Ava Brown's sister. Uh, yeah. Indeed. yeah, but you get the sense yeah. that it's not like he—it's not a process of, dis- of discovery for him. It's not like he realized that they were mad mm-hmm. and he had to get out of there. He—it sounds like he never really was a true believer. Mm-hmm. Like, like of lots of cause. other characters yeah. refer to him as a careerist. Yeah. It seems like he's just in it to sort of get ahead, profit in any way that he can, and exploit the riches yeah. of it. Which is why, as soon as he can, he gets out there and, I suppose, goes mm-hmm. and drinks and does drugs and yeah. sleeps with women yeah. because he realizes that. It's the party's going to be over soon. Yeah. yeah. Uh, So, like, carrying on from that, I was also thinking, like, how this movie shows the division within the Nazis and how, like, you could see that even within them, like, there's people just against each other. Like, for example, when the doctor goes and sees, um, he sees, like, those group of, I think, SS soldiers, like, um, like, beating up those two old guys trying to run away. And he was like, let them go. And they're like, oh, you don't have any jurisdiction. Um, and I'm like, these are just two old men. They're like, no, they're traitors. Then boom, boom, just like kills them both. And he has to just walk away. And um, it's the same like between the generals. Like I think, like like you said, Ali, um, you have like on the one side, people like, like, oh, we have to leave. On the other side, there's the ones that will like never surrender. And there's that guy. He's like, I surrendered once before. I'm never going to do that again. And that was when I think mm. Hitler was, I think it was either when he was told that the 12th and the 9th armies like weren't going to come and help him, that he leaves the room and then the generals start fighting. Um, but it was one of those scenes where he like, where Hitler was like seated, seated down, he leaves the room and then the generals fight. So mm. um, yeah. yeah. It's, yeah, it's shining a light on the in-betweens, right? It's, it's, it's kind of coloring coloring the canvas with 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 all the shades mm-hmm. um instead of of saying hey here's one extremity and here's another it's really going through the whole spectrum of 
of this regime and the people in it, and also the civilians, right? Everyone's yeah. affected by this um, in a different way. And that's what is powerful about this film, because it reveals the humanity in such a disgusting yeah. and evil regime. But, but also, in a way, like the nuance is also quite terrifying. 100%. You know? mm. Yeah. Like for me, I found that like the fact that they've humanized these characters make them a lot more terrifying. Hmm. rather yeah. than you know like if they were just like crazy people then it's like oh, okay i can understand because they're fucking crazy yeah but like the human yeah make like make them more human it's like it's the oh. banality of evil i mean that, yeah. that whole um that term the banality of evil yeah. was uh i think coined in refer in reference to i think it was either himmler or heydrich mm-hmm. one of those uh high-ranking nazi officials because they referred to him as like i think a, a desktop mass uh, not a desktop sorry like I think it was like an office mass murderer. The fact that someone could just sort of, you know, very casually sentence thousands of people to their death mm. just by checking a few boxes at their desk. Mm. Yeah, like the, that... like the guy in uh, Schindler's List. Uh, yes. Ralph Fiennes' yeah. character. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, kind of just 100%. like, boop. Yeah. But I, I, think, I think something you just said earlier, Jabril, did also raise a point that was interesting. I think this film does a really good job of showing you how effective Hitler's way of uh, organizing his um, the Third Reich, how it, was a, it made sure that nobody could really take his place. Because I was reading about it, and apparently he was a fan of this pyramid structure mm-hmm. where um, he was at the tip-top himself. He was the one... Uh, sort of the one single governing figure and everyone else was at uh, in successive, you know, um, that would, you know, there'd be two people below him and then four mm. people in a go out like Classic a pyramid. Scheme, and yeah. Exactly. And so everyone was sort of scraping to get ahead. And so there was no unity among any level until you yeah. got to the bottom, which meant that when Hitler, you know, who for most of this film, I think is in a state of sort of suicidal despair he's already given up basically no one can kind of unite underneath him to sort of take control Mm. of the nazi party and do what's right instead they just squabble and sort of pull rank on each other and accuse one another of being traitors of one form or another because i I think that's where like hitler uses his charm and his presence you know to unify and create this like loyalty where you could say like Stalin and Mao they kind of like used fear just like crazy amount of fear and they used because like they used to kill off their generals like you know like in the dictator where they're like you know kill him kill him (laughs) that's that was like Stalin and Mao but like Hitler for the vast majority of his time like when he was the chancellor and stuff um I don't think he murdered many of his, uh, like he didn't execute many of his closest generals. They were still the few. It was always Himmler, Heinrich, Goering, uh, and Goebbels, which were like the leaders of the four sections of, I guess, German whatever at the time, the Nazi mm. party and the, the three parts of the army or whatever. He had a, he had yeah. a strong, tight-knit entourage that never quite changed And they were wavered. quite loyal to to him mm-hmm. not maybe to each other but definitely to him yeah so yeah it's yeah. the power yeah the power of one man right what, this what um cult of personality that's the word <clears throat> exactly yeah, cult, yeah. Of cult of personality, personality. Nice. sorry when, whenever we use the word entourage though it does make me chuckle because i just yeah. think of the, of, the, of the i just think show. of the poster i just think <laughs> yeah. of the poster of the first season of entourage yeah but instead <laughs> totally. of vinnie chase you've got hitler at the front and then you've got like hydric and himmler <laughs> and it's jeremy as sorry, jeremy sorry. piven going lloyd <laughs> um but um yeah and i and i guess um 
them uh, maybe um the people close to him um were also a part of his vision right because he had that vision i think um it's shown in this film yeah yeah with the architect Mm. right the vision that he had for germany and yeah and and how he said this is going to be the next constantinople this is going to be one of the great cities um and and how he continued to wage it in in fantasy um despite you know him being ill evil mad whatever you call it um yeah there's still kind of that vision that goes that carries on through the next hundred years um before we go to questions i did want to ask you guys this did any of you think of putin at all while you were watching this film i mean Um, because i mean obviously a lot of what's (laughs) you know we've spoken about this with the other two films but um what's going on at the moment with the ukraine there it has echoes of what was happening in the 40s in europe and i just kept thinking of putin when i was watching bruno gann's performance of hitler Mm. uh, for a couple of reasons because you know there's various points where hitler is asked you know why don't you surrender or why don't you work out a deal with the enemy that way you could salvage the rest of the country you could save the rest of the people and we could find a way to support and feed them and and stop the bloodshed and he said uh these people deserve to die along with the rest of this country because we failed basically and so he thinks that um either he blames them for the failure for their loss in the war or he feels as if they would want to die simply because he's going to die Mm. and so it's this sort of like suicidal bid for glory and it makes me think of the way putin's acting and how that could be threatening nuclear Mm. war The, the idea that he doesn't seem to particularly care about what maybe the people of his country would want in this instance and he's willing to take them into war just to 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 sort of yeah to to, in this last bid for for long lost glory Mm. and then i also thought of um so another interesting facet to hitler uh bruno gans's performance is that he plays hitler as having uh being the later stages of parkinson's disease which is not necessarily proven but is a theory about hitler Mm. and that is also a rumor going around about putin that he has parkinson's Mm, Parkinson's. and that his knowledge of this um Mm. debilitating disease is behind some of his more impulsive actions mm, in really? recent years. And the other, yeah, yeah. I guess the other, the other parallel could also be the fact that um, because we've been, uh, we've been under a pandemic, um, he's been secluded, isolated, um, also kind of in a bunker style situation um, away from much of the rest of the world and only surrounded by his closer entourage. Mm interesting (laughs) i didn't really think of putin in this one i don't know i i thought more of i was because i was more focused on like people being indoctrinated and seeing that in this film at least especially with this watch and how much nothing has changed in a way it's not that like people get are are getting indoctrinated at that scale by one person yeah but I I would say indoctrination has become uh, niched, you know? Like, you find people that would support just, like, diehards in anything nowadays, and and I feel like nothing really has changed, you know? Like, you have people who who are now dying to defend Kanye West in this current (laughs) debacle with Kanye 
uh, Pete Davidson and Kim. Yeah. You know, you have skeet. people who yeah, skeet. Um, you have people who would die for like fucking anti-vaxxing sure. or QAnon. You would even you have people have... in Russia who are being indoctrinated. There yeah, exactly. You have people statewide propaganda has brainwashed the exactly. people who living outside of Moscow and yeah. supporting this war. Yeah, a classic you... scenario is as uh, uh, yeah. Jim Jones, Jones, Jonestown. Yeah, like you have yeah. it across the entire spectrum because yeah. you also have indoctrination on the left, on the liberal QAnon. side too. Yes. Well, I mean, QAnon's on the right, but no, no, sorry, um, I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, but right, I mean, right, like absolutely. across the left as well. So, like, that's what it got me thinking. Like, shit. Like, I thought, you know. I remember one of the things about the IB when, when they were trying to sell to us. They're like, the IB was made so people, so Nazism doesn't happen again. So communism doesn't happen again. Yeah, like, right, so people right, are right. like knowledgeable and stuff. And I'm like, so we're she no. <laughs> Wait, who told no. you that IB was created to stop totalitarianism? <laughs> well, it was like the idea for people to be critical right, right. thinkers and like theory of knowledge and shit like that. Yeah. I mean, that's a bit of a stretch, but I, why I, I became an actor. Yeah. 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 <laughs> but like, uh, it was made out of the ideas of, of after course. the world war and of stuff. Like Post-war thinking. Yeah. Post-war post-war thinking. I mean, a German was uh, not behind the IB, sorry, but was was behind UWC. Yeah, yeah well, Swiss was not he Swiss? Kurt Hahn. Isn't he Swiss German? Oh, maybe he was. I didn't, I didn't really pay. I think IB uh, originates from Switzerland, mm-hmm. doesn't it? Oh, sorry, yeah. I was thinking more of United of UWC. Oh, UWC, yeah, to, yeah, yeah, which is completely different to IB. Yeah, yeah. But, yeah of yeah, course. Yeah. But yeah, um, that's that's more what I was thinking. I was rather thinking of the people than the the figure. Yeah, I was like thinking yeah. how people can just blindly follow someone. Yeah. Totes my goats. Um, wow, this is like probably our most political episode yet, guys. Yeah. No, no because joke. like I'm I'm no really joke. into my like history Politics. and I'm very I'm very well knowledge yeah you're well versed see this is the third right yeah jabril is always surprising me <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah I've, known him, I've known him for nearly 10 years now and he always he always surprised me with Purple. another skill or another little yeah. uh yeah another little <laughs> pet, pet passion of his that i didn't know about before i like yeah. i had no idea that you were this sort of history i buff. don't know this sort of like amateur historian yeah. Hey, yeah i love i love history yeah it was one of my choice i wanted to study history for the longest time hey hey I there's still time it. yeah there's no it's, time. it's it's yeah passion, absolutely right I, I i learn every day that's that's what i do with 100%, it's 100%. one of those things you know yeah. listen to a little podcast so, here and there the wide world yep. web did you ever listen to Dan Carlin's podcast, um, no, Hardcore History? Oh, I, oh, oh, yes, I, mean, I have. I have. Hardcore History yes. is very good. Yes, yeah. Yes, 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 yeah, yes, it's very good. But that talk about a, a thoroughly researched podcast. Mm. Each episode is about three to four hours long. Oh, yeah. And he only releases like a series every few months because it takes him that long to yeah. research them, yes. to plan I, them. I can't imagine the scripting. Like we barely script. And like even when I do script, I read it wrong. I forget the question. Yeah. Like I can't, I can't read my that. writing <laughs> that I write here. Yeah. 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 We'll get there. We'll get there one day. We'll we'll have a four hour yeah. podcast one day. Four hours. How do people have the time? I guess you know you get paid for it. We don't get paid for the shit. So it's yeah, like four yeah. hours. And we he's don't... not and he's not he's not he's it's just him talking basically. That's so it's amazing. not I don't imagine he's recording it in one go. It's not a conversation. It's mostly just him, like yeah. you said, reading from a, a, a script essentially. Well, yeah. there's there's sources. there's a plug. There's a healthy plug right there. Boom. Yeah. yeah. There you go. <laughs> so shall we move to questions? Unless there's anything else that we want to discuss. Nah. No? All right. So let's Nine. go with your favorite scene. Um, yeah, whoever wants to go first. 
uh, please, Ollie, take take us away. Oh, sure. Thank you. Um, so yeah, I'm glad no one actually mentioned this uh, yet. Uh, it's the party. I put down the party sequence. I don't know what else to refer which, to it as. But which party It comes sequence? early on in the film where they're sort of partying in that subterranean hallway. I don't know what you'd call it, like a mm-hmm. ballroom. And it's the one where um, there are bombs falling outside or artillery, sorry, falling above while it's happening. So uh, and you have uh, it's ma- mainly Eva Braun. Yeah. who is uh, sort of going kind of like what is like white girl wasted a little bit in yeah, the beginning. Leading. She's oh, just going around, yeah. screw, like, like ordering dance. everybody to dance. Yeah, yeah, exactly. She's like, everybody dance, everybody dance. And then the music cuts off because bombs literally keep falling right above them. And so the music cuts out because they lose power. And then she forces someone to play the piano so they can keep on dancing. And in the midst of that, you have people sort of getting, you know, obnoxiously drunk just to, I suppose, sort of numb themselves. And then you have um, you have that uh, Trung, uh, oh, what's the name? Uh, Younger's character, Charlie yeah. Younger, Charlie the young woman. Yeah. She yeah. just suddenly breaks down to her friend and oh, says, yeah. "It's like a bad dream that you can never wake up from." It's a really it's a really uncomfortable scene to watch, mm-hmm. but it's it, there's this mixture of sort of this really desperate attempt to sort of party away the reality that you're probably all going to die or that this is all yeah. going to come to an it's, end. And it just felt like hell on earth. Yeah. Midsommar-esque yeah. kind of reminds me of absolutely, uh, Florence absolutely. Pugh. I think she, that happens to her as well. Damn. Yeah. Good, good scene. I totally yeah. like. Yeah. Fantastic scene. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah. Me, uh, I was juggling with a few, um, but I think the one where it really, I'd have to go with the first scene. I have to go with the first scene when we're first introduced to um, Bruno's Hitler. Um, because I think that is the first kind of iteration I've ever seen of the humanity of Hitler. Because he's just greeting um secretaries that are up for the job who yeah idolizes power and and his image he is an iconic figure but you see him step out of his office shake each of their hands ask their names where they're from um and then being kind of a little bit smitten by 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 trudel um and and then the the scene that kind of follows it when he's asking her to type and she's a bit flustered and and stops and then he says shall we try again i there was it was a scarily human moment of a character that i had only thought as a monster which he is there's pure evil in him but there was such a a visceral humanity to that that i was i was shooketh i was shooketh <laughs> right yeah good shout good dissection as well mm. So I'm going to go, my my favorite scene was, um, I guess it's my favorite scene because they were my favorite performances in, throughout the movie and because they show up so rarely. Um, I guess there's only this one or two scenes. It's basically the scenes of the Hitler youth. Um, and it's, that's fucking depressing though, but it's the, it's the scene where, where it's, the it's, guy, yeah, it's weird to talk about this as favorite yeah. scenes because this whole film is so hard to watch. Yeah. Yeah. But, uh, the reason why this is my favorite scene plus the scene where, um, Peter's dad first meets the rest of the Hitler youth. Um, for some yeah, reason, you know, he you shoots saying, the girl. You saying then, Peter, I was like, Hey, 
Peter. Hey, Peter. That just, that just came to my head. <laughs> Peter. Hey, Peter. We need to give Peter. this. Yeah. We need to give this show a little levity. Yeah, we need to. We, we need, need to, to laugh to stop ourselves laugh. from crying. Um, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, basically, it's the scene where the the guy shoots the girl and then kills himself. Oh, fuck. Yeah. oh my god yeah Jesus. now you just make me feel like an idiot for yeah, <laughs> i regret but, what i said uh, but also the scene in the beginning where um peter um his dad with like one arm missing comes up and he like tells them off for being kids and why they're there and they're like yeah i'm gonna yeah um i thought they were excellent so yeah bringing on to the next favorite performance um i'm gonna say the 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 girl the girl and the boy the two like i guess leader characters of the hitler youth were my who could not be who, who who couldn't be older than what like 15 or 16 yeah 15 and, or 16 and it's actually quite there's like it's like darkly comedic that scene or those scenes with the hitler youth because you're like this is the grand defense that you're mounting against yeah. the red army yeah. you have basically teenagers and then children yeah manning you know artillery machinery and they, they touch upon it again in the end where uh that one dude he's like i need to speak to to the fuhrer and eva braun's like oh just sit down like they're gonna take a while and he's like oh you're so young to be so well like decorated with um medals and stuff and he just yes. like smirks you know and he's like yeah because all the other people are dead now you know <laughs> yeah shit yeah. So yeah, that, those are my favorite performances and yeah. my favorite scenes. So I don't know. What about you guys? Obviously, um, there's Bruno Ganz. But... Uh, yeah, I'm gonna have to give it to Bruno, uh, the late Bruno Ganz. Um, I thought it was a towering performance, and to even dare, to even find the courage to step into such shoes is something to be applauded. Um, something to to it's it's commanding. Um, not only does he scarily look the part, but the physicality he portrays on screen is eerily immaculate. Um, I I think it's truly one of the greatest cinematic performances of the 20, 20th and 21st century. Um, yeah, I mean, obviously, I was going to say it has to be mentioned that Bruno Ganz is kind of the uh, the winner of this film in a way. His, mm -hmm. his performance is, uh, you know, it's the... It is a, a defining performance for a guy who had a really impressive career as well. Yeah. He's in. He's been. If you look at his filmography, great, there are some real films. gems in there. Wings, like Wings of, Desire. of Desire. Yeah, absolutely oh, brilliant. Vin Vendors, eighties film, fantastic. And he was he also in a hidden like, life. He's worked with loads of crazy directors as well, right? Great. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah absolutely. Um, but uh, yeah, I was gonna. There's. I was sort of as usual split between two choices, but I'm gonna go with Julianne Kohler. I don't know if I pronounced her name correctly. Who played uh, Ava Braun? Mm -hmm. Because I thought that was um, that was a fascinating portrayal, such an interesting character. Because throughout the whole film, she's one of the few people that isn't necessarily depressed or um, upset or phased in any way by what's going on. She's kind of like smiling and laughing the entire time, even at the point when they're discussing openly how they're going to commit suicide. And then at one point, she says to someone, "I'm not afraid of." Of dying i'm actually looking forward to it but she doesn't also sound like someone who's necessarily is is it, she's still like trying to suck the the joy out of life wherever she can she's encouraging everybody to drink she's trying to give away her um her her furs to the um the younger's character and you, and i was wondering the whole time i was i was like is, is it gonna crack is there something behind this is this just a facade that she's putting on 
but I didn't see anything of uh, to suggest that. And so it was, a, it was a really interesting performance by that actress, and it really impressed me. But uh, the other person I would have gone with was was um, uh, uh, Ulrich Matters as Joseph Goebbels, oh, just yeah. because he really captured that sort of clenched, fierce, beady-eyed menace behind that character. Mm. And I, I thought that was a really striking yeah. presence on the screen. The devil's advocate. Nice. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was going to say uh, the person who was uh Goebbels that mm. was yeah pretty Joseph excellent Goebbels, yeah yeah so uh let's go with what aged the best i can start if you guys want yeah please sure away. um yeah i'm gonna go with the ultra realism in the movie i thought that was pretty good uh age the best um I, l- I like the aspect of like the fly on the wall. Um, there were some shots that kind of reminded me of Mad Men. Um, they're like kind of like hip level, you know, at like on the w- one end of the room and you see people like sitting down talking to each other and then you kind of don't see the characters' faces and stuff. Mm. Um, but I really like those shots. Um, and it just, yeah, the realism. Yeah. Mm. Mm. Um. I again, I this might feel like a bit of a hall pass, but I, I'm gonna say Bruno Gans's Hitler is yeah is stands the test of time just mm-hmm. because it is that kind of cinematic achievement to don such a role and put it on screen and um yeah have it have it 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 has a lasting effect it had such a great impact I think it's 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 you know. It, it, it's one of those great performances that will be remembered through cinematic history, um, along with your, I don't know, Jamie Foxx's Ray Charles, um, Capote, Philip Seymour Hoffman as Capote, um, you know, list goes on and on. Charlie Theron as, as uh, what's her name uh, in Monster as uh, mm-hmm. Aileen uh, Wernos. It's it's one of those it's one of those towering mm-hmm. performances mm-hmm. that just. Well, as an actor, I will go back to and be like, you know, draw ins- either draw inspiration from or just stand in awe of, mm. of what happened, mm. of how they did that. Mm. Uh, I'm going to go with the meme scene because I don't know what else to call it. <laughs> yeah. And I, I say that all seriously. Like, I think it's it's a great scene in and of itself. And also it has it did lead to this famous video parody, this famous meme, which was endlessly recycled and repurposed and i mm-hmm. think you can still see it today and mm-hmm. I, I actually think the the parody doesn't necessarily take away from the seriousness of that seriousness of that scene because when you watch it in the context of the film you get why it was so easy to sort of apply to this other use because it, there is like this almost comedic desperation or sort of contradiction throughout this film and that scene captures it so well the sort of the sort of i don't know like the the sort of that raging against the dying light that you're seeing mm-hmm. from Hitler, him like sort of like bemoaning out loud all the things that could have gone better for him or or he could have done instead. Um, and yeah, and it, and it also it foregrounds or spotlights, sorry, Bruno Gans's incredible mm-hmm. physical performance. You know? Yeah, it's a really physical performance. Yeah, mm-hmm. Shakespearean-esque. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. All right. And let's circle around for what aged the worst. Wow, these are always these are getting tougher. I feel these are getting tougher. Yeah, I, I have a I have a I have a um, an answer ready for this one. Uh-huh. So because we didn't talk about this at all, uh, but I'm gonna put what aged the worst as the true story of Albert Speer. So 
Albert Speer, the way he's positioned in this film is kind of as the good Nazi almost. You have that scene between him and Hitler where he confesses to Hitler that he um, has actually been sabotaging the a lot of his orders or blatantly not following his orders and working against his sort of destructive instincts and you see him throughout as this um this this character like perhaps a nazi with a conscience because he seems to be distrusting or um unsure of hitler throughout and the character mm-hmm. the perform the actor who plays him plays him with a lot of of grace you know mm-hmm. um but then i read i did some research after watching this film this time and it turns out that's all bullshit uh, so this film was based on Al- one of Al- one of the books that this film was based on was Albert Speer's own account yeah. of his time in the Nazi Party, mm-hmm. and he tried to propagate this myth afterwards. To after he was released from prison, after he'd been you know uh, sentenced there for what he did during the Nazi Party, mm-hmm. he basically tried to make it out that he was this technocrat that he mm-hmm. didn't he had no knowledge of the final solution, what was being done to the Jewish people, mm. and that he didn't ideologically um, follow the Nazis, that he was just simply trying to either do some variation on, on following orders or trying to basically um, uh, succeed in his in his field, which was architecture. Yeah. But also, I think it was like he civil did like some sort of or civil plan. Exactly. Yeah. Like he was credited for, for this miracle, basically, where he was able to... Uh, produce resources that weren't there or distribute resources when they weren't but in reality he was he was responsible for moving the jewish people out of the uh warsaw ghetto yep he was he was behind the evacuation and in terms of this miracle that led to the um uh this um this like vast amount or sorry this this scant amount of resources being able to get to everybody safely was because he actually was fully aware of the fact that they were simply killing a lot of the people who they couldn't mm-hmm. feed or that mm-hmm. they couldn't supply, especially the people in the in the hospitals. And so he was fully aware of what was going on, and he just lied blatantly mm-hmm. to sort of um, advance his own cause afterwards. Mm-hmm. And so, but like this film doesn't necessarily reckon with that because again, yeah. it's based on his own account and it tries to position him again as the good Nazi. And so, knowing that, it was really uncomfortable thinking mm. to, to to look think back on those yeah. scenes it's just the issue with that source material is that it's also one of the most in-depth accounts yes. of like hitler's like internal group of people that he knew so like a lot of people use his book as like a very important source so like it's it's strange when you have things like that happen where he's like trying to rewrite history in a way because he survived but yes. people still respect the book and yeah. treat it in high regard. Well, I guess you can't, you can't, it'd be impossible to sort of like, separate what was separate, true and what was, mm, and what mm, was mm. Um, self-mythologizing. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, I'm sure like a lot of important historical detail survived because of those books, but mm-hmm. I just wish that they sort of maybe acknowledged that he wasn't quite the hero of the narrative yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. in this film, but yeah. And it's hard to point a good Nazi in a film like this as well. Well, exactly. It's a myth. The good yeah, ones, yeah, yeah. You know, um, yeah. I, I think what aged were, that was very insightful. Um, what aged worse for me was um, along with its running time, which I think two hours and a half could have been reduced slightly. Um, was again the fact. I think it was. It's. It's my only critical thought is is the fact that. Um, the character of, of Junge was was overshadowed by the grandeur of Hitler's narrative, placing more importance on his story and the surrounding storylines. Um, and I think making it shorter and focusing it more on this story of 
of life in the bunker and not not just life in the bunker but life in the bunker told through the lens of this particular character younger i'm gonna go with um yeah i found it pretty hard to like find a uh like something that didn't age well but i'm gonna go with the terrible cgi explosions that they had (laughs) (laughs) what is cgi Uh, they looked terrible Oh. They looked CGI to me. They look cheap. they look like stock like Final Cut Pro explosions. <laughs> yeah. So uh, I'm gonna I'm just gonna like go Battlefield with that one. Two explosions. Yeah. Battlefield. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so yeah, boy. let's let's get to the final question and yeah. um, mystery question. Yeah, the mystery question, the b- 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 bonus question. Um, <laughs> who? Uh, what is your favorite? performance of a historical character so or a historical oh. figure um that's a good one so yeah it could be uh could it it doesn't have to be like a politician okay. it could be anyone <clears throat> could be anyone you know it okay. could be like margot robbie and she did the the ice skater yeah uh, tanya uh, yeah tanya yeah um so it could be like gandhi uh ben kingsley yeah. so yeah whatever cool 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 yeah. mm. um oh there's there's a lot, and I think I named some um, yeah, you did. moments ago. Uh, did you name Christian Bale? Well, that was. I think that's going to be my favorite. Is Dicky Dicky Eklund? Um, that's one in the fighter. In the fighter, in David mm. Russell's The Fighter, I think that one's. I remember mm. that one just in, like I was baffled by his performance. By didn't didn't he also do like George Bush's homie? What's that? Yeah, uh, in Dick, Vice, Cheney. Dick Cheney. Dick Cheney. Yeah, yeah Dick Cheney. Yeah, this yeah. guy, he's transformative. He's a transformative yeah. actor. He's a character actor. He's someone that can just go into, literally into the skin of, of a historical figure and and, and breathe it out um, effortlessly almost. So I think I think Christian Bale as, as Dickie Eklund is is up there. I, I think mm. I mentioned, I think, I'm just going to say my top three. Um, uh, <laughs> Philip Seymour Hoffman as Truman Capote was also breathtaking. And, ah. and um Charlie Theron, I think, as as Eileen Wuornos. Those yeah, three. Yeah, I'll just jump jump off that because like there are so <laughs> so many people that I could um I, I could name right now. But the fir- when you said what is your favorite his performance for the historical figure, the first one that came to mind was Philip Seymour Hoffman yeah. as well, mm-hmm. but not for Truman Capote. Oh, for some reason, first thing that came to mind was. Uh, his performance in Almost Famous. Almost he plays famous. that the famous yeah. rock critic Lester Bangs, Very and it's nice. just such a great scene-stealing performance. Yeah, I love absolutely. that monologue as well. Um, I performed that monologue. Um, oh, yeah. did you? Yeah, a couple of years ago. It was oh, the one. Great. You're not cool. Yeah, you're not cool, man. Yeah, <laughs> I've met you. You're not cool. <laughs> what about you, baby? I've got loads that come to mind as well, but um, I'm gonna go with Taika Waititi as Hitler. Um, in Jojo Rabbit, I really loved that. That was really good. Um, just an interesting take on Hitler. Um, and I'm gonna go with Jamie Foxx's Ray Charles. Yeah, that yeah. was yeah, his Ray Charles. Some 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 amazing stuff. Yeah, and um, yeah, those are the ones that are coming to mind right now. Obviously, um, the ones that you mentioned, especially Philip Seymour Hoffman. Mm. Um, amazing big one. Like, i can't really think and yeah even from the fighter yeah christian bale that was i totally forgot about that performance he, that was amazing mind-blowing yeah yeah 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, but it, there's uh, that's that's could be a next theme, you know, like you know historical portrayals, historical figure portrayals, portrayals or just yeah, bi- bi- biopics. Oh yeah, biopics, biopics. Yeah, totally. Yeah, biopics. Yeah. Ooh, that's biopics also what they're called. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Um, all right and yeah so thing. let's finish this off with some ratings oh so who wants boy to go first? should we make it fucking uh morose and and uh, uh, i'm gonna be insensitive from the jump i've already written it down so i'm just gonna say <laughs> it. uh go it, okay so i think this yeah again i think this is a pretty remarkable piece of storytelling uh there are a couple of things that hold it back from being a higher rating that's just i think the 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 last scene and sort of the book ending with the character of Chunga didn't quite work for me. And I feel like it loses a bit of steam because it doesn't have that narrative propulsion. As I mentioned, I think this is almost just like a denouement the whole time. It's, mm. just, it's just a final act, the entire film, right. which I think is really interesting. But also, you know, it's difficult to watch for two and a half hours. But yeah, so I'm going to give it seven and a half out of ten cyanide pills. Oh, fuck. <laughs> is that too bad Did damn I it i was gonna go with oh, yeah. that's true that's that's abominable that's oh my god that's heinous that's oh how many did you count in this film i saw that i think there were like about eight or ten i think there, side yeah angles. yeah <laughs> oh that's that's so dismal man fuck all right um man i'm depressed okay um so I I think yeah what holds it back for me uh, you know again my critical thought being the perspective um, that really doesn't quite it didn't quite go there I wish it leaned more into it I wish I wish it was more grounded in the story of um, life in the bunker with Hitler <laughs> that would be my title um, but um. Because it had an opportunity to tell a more grounded, subdued, personal story if it did that. And I know why it went bigger. Um, and it's, you know, it's bold for going bigger. But I, I like more grounded, more um, almost claustrophobic stories when it comes to things like that. And you get to really get see the reveal of of this sick man, the sick person, and and, and the, the surrounding characters that, that oblige him. Um, so I'd have to give it, oh my God, what the hell am I giving it? I'm going to have to give it eight, um, (laughs) eight dying blondies out of 10. Oh God. (laughs) (laughs) No. Jesus Christ. How Lord. many children did Goebbels have? No, I'm kidding. Uh, five. Um, <laughs> like six or six or seven. Oh, is it six? Okay. I'm kidding. Yeah. I'm kidding. He had quite a few. I'm not going to use the children. Dude I'm not procreated. The <laughs> dude had kids. Yeah. Not for um, very long, though. <laughs> okay. I'm going to. Okay. I found one. Um. I'm going to go with, I, I personally thought this is one of the best depictions of what happened in the like the final moments of his i don't know is my voice weird <laughs> no i'm just it's just so depressing oh, <laughs> i'm just okay. waiting for you to give it a score and to fill it with like i don't know like six like, nazi salutes or, oh, Nazis, no, 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 or no. like or like dead like dead nazi like dead yeah dead children no 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 um I can't even remember his name now, but uh, I'm going to give it uh, 
nine point five uh f- fengals. Feng is it fengal? Fagelins. Fagelins. <laughs> yeah. Nine point <laughs> five fagelins out of ten. Yeah. Nice. <laughs> oh. And on that note, um, yeah, thanks for listening to the show. Oh wait, no, actually, I just want to give a little bit of a sum up on the three movies. Um, what I did really you learn? Enjoyed... Yeah, what did I learn? Apart um, from depression. Yeah. No. Uh, especially right now with what's going on, um, oh, there's, yeah. there's, yeah, there's such a, I don't know, realness to some of these movies. And yeah. Um, truly, yeah, I, th- I just thought across the board the three movies were pretty interesting, and they kind of flowed into each other pretty well. Mm-hmm. There was a mixture of languages, mixture of uh, places that they were made. Um, I really liked that. Uh, yeah, because I chose that. Um, and I wanted to actually uh, recommend a few other films. Um, there's actually this one film that I watched, which kind of talks about the rise of Hitler. I can't remember the title, which is Oh, really is that annoying. the one with um, the, He's the like actor, an artist. the Scottish actor? Yes. It's like a t- it was a television they, film. I, I, I saw that when I was a kid. Film. They, they sh- at least they, brought, they broadcasted in, mm. in the U... I remember they broadcast that on British television right. for its premiere when I was a, hmm. when I was living in the UK as a child. And, and it, it had, goes um, through uh, his, as an artist. Yeah, it, it has, the, it has that one. Scottish act. Yeah, it has that exactly. Yeah, it has that uh, Scottish Hitler, from, um, Hitler, the rise of evil with Robert Carlyle. That's it. The guy from Trainspotting. Okay. Yeah. And Peter okay. O'Toole. So that one, uh, that that was a pretty good movie. I remember watching about the rise of Hitler, if you want to see where he came from. And then uh, there's another movie, if you want to see a female perspective, um, Sophie Scholl, which is a which is a pretty good movie about, yeah, just a female perspective in a similar situation. So, yeah, uh, thank you for listening. Um, back to something more positive. Please. Uh, don't forget, April 22nd, uh, we're trying to help which uh, support a cause. Uh, we're trying to help support um, the people of Ukraine in a sad time at the moment. And yeah, just thank you for listening. Uh, we're done with this theme now. No more depression. Uh, we're going to take it away to the next one, and that's Raf's theme. We're back hey, with Raf. Something, something and, more chirpy. Um, yeah, it's going to be cool. I'm yeah. pretty excited. And yeah, don't forget to like, share, subscribe, comment. You know what to do. Give us them five stars on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. It helps us a lot. And yeah, I don't think there's anything else. I'm pretty sure I got everything this time. Nice. What do you guys think? Yeah. Well done. Yeah. No, felicitations. Yeah. yeah. Awesome. All right. Well, I'll catch you guys tomorrow. Well, we'll see you guys tomorrow. Oh my gosh. Great timing. We did it. Yeah, my Great roommate timing. just got into the Perfect shower. Timing. Great timing. All right. Oh, look at that. Well, I'll say goodbye right now. Ciao, ciao for now.